Hello, and welcome to Fostering Our Faith podcast. Today's guest, Natalie Vigione, is a mom of two domestically adopted children with very interesting stories. Listen as she tells us about her son's diagnosis with fetal alcohol syndrome that led her to become an advocate, an author, to start an online community for those affected by FASD, and an award-winning podcast. Natalie's story is filled with courage, hope, and of course, faith. Natalie, welcome to Fostering Our Faith podcast. Thank you, Angie. I'm so happy to be here. So how appropriate that you would be my first guest, because our roots being so deep in adoption and Christ, that this seems to me like the best crossroads ever. Um, So a little bit about our history is that we were two super excited, joy-filled families ready to give any and all children a home walking into our world and going into our local MAP foster care training. I speak at the same MAP training classes that we took and I look at the fresh, eager faces, and I just want to say, buckle up. That is That's right. Right? <laughs> like, it's going to be a ride, right. people. I can't believe that was nine years ago, Angie. It just, it, it just boggles my mind. It really does. You know? Um, so our intro gave everyone a small glimpse into all that is Natalie, but I want to give our listeners a chance to hear a bit about your family and how you came to be. So... First of all, congratulations on this podcast. This is huge. And congratulations on your ministry and everything you are doing. I am just so incredibly in awe of how God is using you to change the world through your ministry and and to change the lives of all of these families and kids and everybody you come in in contact with. So uh, I, I love you, my friend, and congratulations. And Thinking about us nine years ago and and today, I just I'm in awe of how the Lord is has used us both, um, our our broken journeys uh, to serve Him and to help others. So as uh, you previously mentioned, my name is Natalie Vecchione. Um, first and foremost, I'm a child of God saved by Christ. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. And uh, I'm an accidental advocate, accidental podcaster, and ad- accidental author. Um, we, my husband and I grew our family twice through domestic adoption. Our son will be 21 this year and our daughter will be eight this year. So we have a 13 year age gap between our two kids. Whew. Yes. Fasten your seatbelts. It's, it's a, it's a wild ride. Uh, our son has, we actually were told verbally that he it was suspected he had an FASD, a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, when he was two. But it wasn't officially confirmed until he was 15 when he was hospitalized. So we went 13 years without having an official diagnosis. And I, I'm uh, I'm happy to share our story to your listeners and to your community because it's a cautionary tale of how if there's suspected an FASD, that you need confirmation ASAP. And if people are not giving you the answers, <laughs> excuse me, then you need to keep looking and keep finding the, pro- the professional that will give your child that diagnosis. So uh, 
uh, our son is uh, now almost 21 and uh, our daughter is going to be eight. When you and I met, we started the MAPS class together back in 2014. And my husband and I were in the process of, of starting our, actually, we were starting our MAPS training because we wanted to adopt our uh, a, a second child through foster care. And uh, at the time we were homeschooling and we were living very close to you and we were actually in the same homeschool co-op. It was really cool. And, and our other friend, uh, Stephanie and her family were in the same co-op. And uh, I remember sitting in class with you and, and Stephanie and, and, you know, our, our three families, it was really cool. We had, we had that corner and we just, it was great. And I remember thinking, wow, okay, this is going to be different. And, uh, so we, it was, I believe it was like the week before our graduation from maps class, we got a phone call from our birth mother's daughter. I mean, excuse me, from, uh, from our daughter's birth mother. And she, we knew her, we actually, uh, knew her when we were living in Pennsylvania and she was very close to our family and, and she reached out to me through Facebook and said, Hey, I know you guys are, uh, in the, in the process of, of adopting, you want to have another child. I'm pregnant. Would you adopt my baby? And I just started bawling and dropped on my knees and thanked the Lord and, you know, showed my husband and my son. And that was that. So we went quickly from, we, you know, finished the training obviously, but then we went from, uh, going, that back into to private domestic, I, I would almost say it was kind of like a kinship adoption because we were just so close with her and we have a very open adoption with um, my daughters, both her birth mom and her birth dad. So uh, we took the class, but we ended up not having any placements because uh, gosh, six months later, our daughter was born. So yeah, we, we're, we're not, we're not brave like you, Angie, and taking, you know, more than one newborn at a time. We're, you know, my husband was like, oh, okay, one at a time. So, um, yeah. And I remember being in the maps class and even though it was not confirmed, like it was not confirmed through a doctor that our son had indeed an FASD I remember just hearing more and more in maps class and thinking okay they they're getting this wrong you know th this is not willful this is not behavior this is no this there's something more to this and uh shortly after our daughter came home the book that really changed um how we viewed FASD is, is what we affectionately call the little purple book by Diane Malvin, um, trying differently rather than harder FASDs. And that book, I just read it from cover to cover. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's hundred percent, hundred percent. And then my husband read it and, you know, we bought like three copies of it. I still have, I always have more than one copy on it in case somebody needs it. And I remember being in our maps class. And I, I, I know the last time I talked to you, 
we spoke about this activity. Remember when we did the activity where we each had, you're nodding your head and yes. smiling. We each had a piece of paper. It was like kind of like an icebreaker activity. We each had a piece of paper that said something, made a statement, and we had to determine whether it was true or false. And so this, this is if this is not God orchestrated, I don't know what is. The, the piece of paper said, fetal alcohol exposure is not a permanent disability. I was and so even, hoping you would tell the story. <laughs> even though, even though, again, even though I was just learning about FASD and I was, you know, my goodness, we, we were years away from a diagnosis, an official diagnosis at that point. I knew that wasn't true. I knew that from what I read and, and, you know, the, the few people who knew what they were talking about, I knew that was false. And so I went to the social worker and I said, this is, this is false. And she said, no, it's not. It's true. They outgrow it. And I said, no, they don't. And I said, I have a 12 year old son who has symptoms and, and you, you cannot tell me this is true. And then she even talked to the other social worker and they're like, no, it's false. So I, that like was a seed of advocacy planted in my head. And, and again, it wasn't until we moved out of state, we, you know, we, we live now in North Carolina. And when we moved down here, shortly after we moved down here, our son was hospitalized because of the secondary symptoms he was experiencing. You know, um, he was experiencing mental health issues and and eventually received an additional mental health diagnosis. He was experiencing, you know, just a lot. He was in crisis. And that's when we got the official diagnosis. Um, so it, it was 15 years, you know, and 13 of them, we actually were like, OK, this has a name to it, you know. And uh, just thinking about that experience, I still think about it and and and. I, um, I'm so glad you're doing this, Angie, because people need to know that we, we talk about NAS. I remember that like NAS and trauma and NAS and trauma. Yes, yes, yes. That is extremely important, but research studies show that 70 to 80% of children in foster care have been impacted by prenatal alcohol exposure. 70 to 80 percent it's incredible absolutely and it is a permanent lifelong brain-based whole body disability and when you and i reconnected years later and i was telling you what i was doing you were just you know we could just see like the, the yes. god orchestrated lights going off going oh my goodness oh my goodness this is this is just so much bigger than what we ever thought Right. And it is. That's exactly because, you know, we have Roman, right? And Roman has NAS, uh, which for those of you who don't know, that's neonatal abstinence syndrome. That is when a child is born addicted to opioids. Opioids, I can never pronounce it right. Um, <clears throat> and so he does have that. I have a strong, strong suspicion that he also has FASD. Uh, just information that I have been given recently. And we have had 20 foster children, three biological children. I did childcare pretty much my entire young adult life. I have yet to meet a child like Roman. I have never, ever, ever met a child like Roman. And he's three. 
Um, it, it is a very serious, very serious thing. Um, and when you, when you say like 80%, like that is, and then we think these are the kids that are in our kids' classes, on our kids' sports mm -hmm. teams, right? Like these are people that are in our neighborhoods and we, they need to know, you know, and that's, that's the whole thing is how do you know unless somebody's telling you, right? So, mm -hmm. so the phrase lived experience, super important to you. I think it's one thing to read a book or a blog, but being there in the trenches is a totally different beast, right? So I think of it in terms of we go to the grocery store and this is literally our weekly battle. We go to the grocery store. Roman knows if he sits in the cart and he does not scream, he will get a good boy treat. Every week, it takes three stores for him to understand this. Three, exactly three stores. And you would think after week one, two, three, four, he would be like, oh, if I sit in the cart and I don't scream, I get a good boy treat. But it does not register. There is no communication between the action and the behavior. It just I will doesn't. tell you exactly why. I will tell you exactly why. And I'm not a clinician. Again, if you're listening, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a professional. I'm a mom with tw almost 21 years of lived experience having a, a now young adult son with an FASD. The reason being is because alcohol, prenatal alcohol exposure, and this is from 163 interviews that I've had on FASD Hope and countless doctors, clinicians, people telling me this. Alcohol is the most toxic of all substances. So opioids, anything? No. Alcohol, because the reason why is alcohol crosses the limbic and goes into what we call the the it crosses so much in the brain and the damage that it causes affects his working memory. So I'm impressed that he remembers after in the third store because my son probably wouldn't have remembered it all because of the way alcohol impacts crosses, you know, those those nerves crosses that limbic system and and damages those parts of the brain that he needs to make those connections. Individuals, kids with alcohol, prenatal alcohol exposure with FASD do not understand consequence. They don't understand action consequence. There's no, and, and that continues through adulthood. That's just not in, you know, littles. We're talking, it looks different with every stage. That is something that happens. The working memory is impaired. So he is not able, some days he may be able to do it sooner than other. Some days it takes longer, but you can't that the way that I was told that how the alcohol affects the nerves in the brain is we have in our brain cells, myelin sheaths, which are like the coating. They're like the insulation of our brain cells. And alcohol actually strips those myelin sheaths. And so if you have connection, think of it like faulty wiring, like you have an electrical system and the insulation is not so great. Some days you might get a good connection, but it's going to be inconsistent because of the damage. And that's exactly what happens with FASD. A book that I would highly, highly recommend to your readers in addition to your listeners, in addition to trying differently rather than harder by Diane Malvin is one called Guided Growth by Dr. Ira Chasnoff. He really is 
the expert, one of the experts in the United States about FASD and working with kids, not only with FASD, but with also early childhood trauma as experienced in, in foster care and in orphanages. See, and that is so interesting because I have to tell you this story. <clears throat> so we have an air fryer and Roman was in his high chair at two and a half years old, scooches his high chair over to the counter, grabs the air fryer and so went to reach in, I guess, and burned the inside of his forearm pretty badly. It was a, it was a pretty bad burn. Don't you know, three days later, he's scooching his high chair over to the air fryer? Like mm -hmm. that, exactly, exactly what you just said. It is, there is no correlation whatsoever. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and that's terrifying, right? <laughs> As a mom, because, you know, Very you terrifying. think little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems, right? And that's, that's where, you know, where we're going with mm -hmm. this, right? Mm -hmm. So in this, what would you say to encourage somebody who believes that a loved one or even themselves have been affected by alcohol use during pregnancy? Um, I think of our friend, Rebecca, right? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's T-U, till I, I have the Spanish. Tillu. Tillu. Okay, I have like the Spanish <laughs> double L's, right? Um, uh, but she discovered in her adult life that her quirks, mm -hmm. as she calls them, were caused by FASD. And the mm -hmm. story that she tells about the road to discovery it is a very real actualization, just like any diagnosis of why we do what we do. So what would you say is step one, if you have somebody in your life that you think may be suffering from this, young or old, what would you say? So if there is any suspicion or or even if you just have a hunch, you're listening, you're like, wow, that that sounds like something in our family, then I would highly advise you as a parent to reach out and find either a support group about FASD, a, a, like a parent caregiver support group, or contact someone at FASDunited.org. FASDunited.org is the national nonprofit for FASD. And they have a family navigator uh, program where you can you know, talk about, uh, you can enter your information for what state you're in, what, you know, what your family situation in, and they can point you in the directions of resources. I would also highly recommend you seek out and find either a clinic or a diagnostician, which they can direct you to ones in, in your area, um, who can give you a diagnosis. I know that um, closer to you, and who is, I, I joke and call her my soul sister, Sandra Flack of Justice for Orphans. Um, she is actually certified as a facilitator in the FACETS neurobehavioral model. And she provides through, uh, through Justice for Orphans, which is based out of um, Albany. It's in the capital area. She provides, um, she has a one hour free training lunch and learn um, that you can learn just the basics about FASD so you know. And since JFO does so much with foster care communities, with Care Portal and, and the foster care community, she offers also in-depth training. She offers, uh, you know, training that you really think that this is going to happen. And then she is a wonderful resource who can point you in the direction of, you know, where to find a diagnostician. Um, she's an affiliate of FASD United. So I would highly recommend her and I, I can share with you uh, her information. I, just go to uh, justice4orphansny.org. 
Um, and uh, I would, my first thing would be to learn about FASD. My second suggestion would be to find someone who is knowledgeable in FASD, whether through FASD United, Justice for Orphans, any, any type of thing, and really learn about it. And then when you can get training and education about it, then your parenting and caregiving needs to change. You need to go from traditional behavior modification doesn't work, reward systems doesn't work. You have to go to accommodate because you're parenting a child or caregiving for a child, teen, adult, with a brain-based diagnosis, which means that traditional parenting is not going to work and it's not going to keep them safe. You have to make accommodations. Another hallmark, besides the, the trouble with working memory, another hallmark of FASD is what we call dismaturity or the gap between chronological age and developmental age. And you may not be seeing it now since your guy's little, but you're going to see it as he gets older, especially when he gets into like the teen years. And that's where we were really having, you know, our, our secondary uh, symptoms with our son was, was, it was like puberty, boom, light switch went on. And, and, you know, <laughs> we were fastening our seatbelts faster than you could say. And, I really think that knowing how to make accommodations and knowing how to parent. So for example, the, the instance with um, Roman, an example of an accommodation may be, okay, you're kind of problem solving and thinking, okay, what am I expecting of him? Okay. To sit in the cart. So an accommodation may be, Maybe before you go into the store with him, you give him like 15 or 20 minutes of like really good proprioceptive vestibular play. So you let him swing on the sensory swing or you let him climb on the monkey bars or something, something so that he can get that feedback so he can feel grounded because it takes a lot to sit in a shopping cart when you're three and it takes even more when you're three and you have a brain based diagnosis. So. Another accommodation may be you might you might want to have some sensory kind of fidgets for him there that he can be occupied with so that that'll help him because as and you'll see as they get older, accommodations like that are going to be more and more of the norm because as the brain grows, you're going to see more of those developmental lags and those developmental gaps between chronological age and developmental age. So that's just a, a, a example. I'm not a fastest facilitator. However, Sandra is. So she'd give you better accommodations than I ever could. So uh, again, know that in this journey, we also know about trauma. Trauma has, has, especially in foster care, trauma, trauma, trauma. Yes, not discounting that in any way. But before we talk about the lived trauma from foster care, we have to go to the prenatal trauma. And that is not only NAS, not discounting it because the symptom it 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 look it looks horrible and it's heartbreaking, but know that the vast majority of children that have NAS also have an FASD, and NAS they do outgrow, FASD they do not. So right. get to the root of that trauma, that prenatal trauma, which is even going one step beyond 
NAS, and that's going to be FASD. Right. And that's where we're seeing um, there's just no, there's no regression of the issues. Uh, You know, as he's getting older, you would expect these issues to go backwards and they're not, they're getting, they're ramping up, you know, and, and that's, that's exactly. And, and we also know, you know, the idea of the party scene, right? The idea of the party scene is, is drugs and alcohol. They go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And so if, you know, a a mom is, is doing drugs, chances are she's going to be drinking alcohol. And here is the scary thing that I want you to talk about. Fetal alcohol syndrome is, if I am correct, from day one of pregnancy. So this is the mom who is four weeks pregnant, doesn't know she's pregnant, Mm -hmm. and just went out to a party last night. So talk about that. Well, and think about in our country, how many percent of pregnancies are unplanned? Is it what, like 60 percent or something like that? And we're not just talking in, you know, traumatic um, foster care type of situations. We're just talking married couples, families, you know, women trying to conceive. That number's crossed the board. So even though FASD is that prominent in foster care, one out of 20 kids, Dr. Philip May did a study. It's a sentinel study in FASD. One out of 20 kids in the United States, and that's a conservative estimate, are impacted by an FASD. So it's not just the kids. It's not limited to the kids in foster care. It's everywhere. And that's just not in the U.S. Canada, all around the world. I, I through FASD, hope I was able to speak to so many people from all over the world And it's worldwide. The reason being is people think that any amount of alcohol is okay as long as I stop. Or, hey, my mom grew up and they drank and there was no problem. There's a fallacy. No alcohol is, no amount of alcohol is safe at conception and anytime after conception. And that is something that needs to be communicated. Um, there's still this myth that, oh, okay, I didn't know I was drinking, but if I stop now, it's okay. Uh, no, no, it, it, it's, it's better that you stop, yes, and that you receive prenatal care and that you receive attention. But if you did not know you were pregnant and drank and you stopped when like there was a thing in the FASD community, you know, you stop when there when the line is uh, drink until it's pink. That's it. That's it. Drink until the line is pink. No, you don't drink at all, you know, oh. and FASD is a spectrum disorder, meaning it looks different in in every child. FAS is what we think of. And that's the most impacted. That's fetal alcohol syndrome. But know that the facial characteristics associated with FAS only happen between days 16, I believe it's days 16 and 23 of pregnancy. You have a very short window where those facial characteristics that you see in full-blown fetal alcohol syndrome affect. There are five other diagnoses under the FASD umbrella, and FASD is considered to be an invisible disability. I believe the statistic is 85 to 90 percent. I believe that's what Dr. Um, I believe that is what I was told um, by the doctor who actually made the discovery of of FAS uh, 50 years ago. Um, The statistic is is 90 percent 
of FASDs go undiagnosed because there are no physical outward physical characteristics. So knowing that you have to be vigilant, you have to be vigilant. And I, I think that if you're seeing any type of behavioral symptom, because I'm going to attach that word to behavior. If you see any type of behavioral symptom, then FASD should be ruled out. Okay. And the yeah. doctor I'm talking, the talk doctor I'm talking about is Dr. Kenneth Jones. He and his uh, co-worker in 1973 discovered, like identified fetal alcohol syndrome. And, and I had the honor of interviewing him twice. And the Dr. Jones, the statistic was, I believe it was 90% of FASDs are, there are no outward physical characteristics. Wow. You know, and it seems like you were back in map days, you were like a lone wolf, right? You're like shouting to the world, like, this is real. This is a thing. This is like, everybody listen to me. And Mm. I mean, now we got like proof Alliance, right? Like so many, like so many people coming out now and saying, okay, hold on. This is, this is how it really is. This is the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, it just, it boggles my mind when we think about statistics and we think about, you know, like I said, these kids are, are in our world. They're in our neighborhoods. They're, they're everywhere, especially if we're thinking one in 20, right? Because each class has what, 25, 30 kids itself. Yep. So At you're thinking about the one kid in class that can't sit still, right? Like and now we're starting to understand. That's because FASD is the most misdiagnosed, undiagnosed, and underdiagnosed of all of the developmental disabilities in the world. So that kid who doctors may have diagnosed as having an ADHD may actually have an FASD. That doctor that, that those kids that the doctors may have diagnosed as having autism may actually have an FASD. And those are actually diagnoses that many of our kids get before the final FASD diagnosis. And the reason being is because there's such an overlap in symptoms. So I think that's why people are under the myth that, oh, it only happens in adoption or it only happens in foster care. It's more prevalent in those environments, in those situations, but no, it happens anywhere. There, It is not limited to any socioeconomic status, any culture, any, any race. No, it's across the board. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you're saying, Angie, I think that the realization, especially in the past five years, really, I I've seen the advocacy grow and it's for you and I to think about nine years ago where, you know, we're talking about it, but nobody else was. And to now where we're talking about it publicly and seeing more things about it, I'm, I'm so thankful that um, I'm just so thankful for you and for what we've learned. And and this journey is hard. Let me tell you, this is a broken journey, you know, foster care adoption. We know that God has set us on these journeys for, for reasons that we know here. And then the reasons we'll learn on the other side of heaven, but it's a very broken Um, it's a very broken, but beautiful journey. And we need to know that, you know, many, many days we don't know why, but we need to know that our children have been placed in our lives 
for however amount of time for God orchestrated reasons. And the more we can be educated and know that what we're seeing are not willful behaviors, but actually brain-based symptoms and that we can address. For, for example, we wouldn't give a book that wasn't in braille to someone who is visually impaired and say, okay, read this. Then why are we expecting a child with a brain-based diagnosis to say, okay, you're going to do this when their brain can't do it. So, yeah. And, and, you know, let me just share. So we have three older children, three older biological children. And for the most part, they were easy peasy kids, right? We go into a store. They're like, can I buy this? No. They're like, whatever. It's okay. No, just very easy. And, you know, I would be in a store and I would see a child and he's screaming, you know, and, a little bit of judging going on, not going to lie, right? Because I'm like, calm your child, right? <laughs> now I go into a store and my kid is screaming and he's throwing stuff. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you just humbled me like it is nobody's mm-hmm. business, right? Oh, yeah. And and it's it's such a funny, you know, way to that the Lord just said, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you a child and he's going to be challenging. <laughs> it is going to really change your entire life. And, you know, we look at him, we could not love him more. I mean, he is the most beautiful, precious. I mean, you just, you can't, you just, you just can't with him. And it just boggles my mind, the things that he has been through, the things that he's going to go through. I already know, right? I mean, I, I'm seeing it at three. I can only imagine at 13 what it's going to be like. And so I know the question has always been, you know, I get this question a lot, but would you do it again? And I can say 100%, you know, 100%, you know, we do have a child with autism. Would you do it again? Would you adopt him? 100%. There is no doubt in my mind that if we were given a do-over, go back five years, 10 years, but 100%, we would be exactly where we are now. And that is, to me, that is exactly what you said. The Lord placed these children here. You know, we did not go out and look for them. We got a phone call. They came to our doorstep. (laughs) So he literally placed them here. And so it has been a ride. <laughs> like I said, buckle up. Um, but we wouldn't change anything. You know, that that's the whole beauty of foster care and adoption. And the beautiful thing too, Angie, you and I both know this, and, and having our mutual friend, Rebecca Tallou, is that kids with FASD have such beautiful gifts inside of them that we need to help shine, not just FASD, but kids with any type of neurodiversity, kids with any type of hidden brain-based diagnoses. We know that the Lord in one area, so maybe in memory and working memory, or maybe in reading or something that they don't, they, they have the need. Maybe they're incredible artists. Maybe they're like the strongest little buggers and, and want to go on the ninja, you know, course that your teenager wants to go on, you know? it's amazing. And that was a huge part of, of my journey too. And for so many years, and I think that's one of the reasons we began homeschooling, we kept hearing what our son could not do as he got older. And it was just worse and worse and worse. And then when we changed our mindset to, 
okay, we're parenting brain first, thinking about his brain, and we're also going to learn about his strengths. And we were able to do that through homeschooling. And and Cindy LaJoy and I, who's wonderful, she and I co-authored a book about our homeschooling experiences and our FASD journeys with our kids who are now young adults. Find the gifts that the Lord has put inside your kids. And whether it be FASD, whether it be any other type of brain-based trauma, whether it be their foster care journey, we need to remember. So thinking about Roman, okay, yes, you know, we need to think about, okay, what is he, what do we need to accommodate? What do we need to support? But also think about where he shines. And if I could go back and do it all over again, of course I would in a heartbeat. Of course I would So if you're listening and if you have littles and Angie, you have a little, so listen, start keeping an inventory of their strengths. Start keeping an inventory of the gifts that God has placed them. It's easy to do with our neurotypical kids. It's really easy to say, oh yeah, dancer, artist, musician, but we don't do it with our kids that have brain-based diagnoses or our kids that have very hard, hard journeys. We don't because we're so, so worried about fixing and remediating. No, no, it's not about that. We need to do, we need to minister to them the way Jesus would minister to them, the way he would walk over to them and tell them how beautiful they are and and tell them how wondrously made God made them and minister to them and support them and make them shine. And it's really hard to do, Angie, because our son now is is almost 21. And, and, you know, I had to step away from FASD Hope, you know, actively record. And we had to shut the website because I really needed to just minister to him and to our family, you know. And it's really a hard journey. You're going to be doing things that you didn't think you could do. Or you're going to be doing things that you're like, Lord, no, 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 I don't. I, yeah, you, you got to do this because it's different. And let me tell you, the whole parenting and the whole caregiving, thinking about their brain first and thinking about this as what it is, which is a brain-based disability, it's, you're not doing what the world wants you to do. And there are so many similarities in the brain-based model, along with faith-based and grace-based parenting. There are very, not, not, identical, but there are many similarities in that we have to think about, you know, them with grace goggles as well as with brain-based goggles. And, and it's really hard, especially when they're teens and young adults and they're doing things that, oh my goodness, you know, talk about judgment (laughs) and the world judges them. But we need to remember that deep down inside, we, we need to minister to them and support them, accommodate them, and show grace every day. And give ourselves grace too. Because I can tell you that I was one of those people too. And before, I would say before I had kids, because, you know, <laughs> Nick started way before three with all the those, those types of symptoms. And now I just, honestly, if I see a mom having a hard time and, and you know, my daughter's not with me, and I'm just by myself, I'll, I'll be like, how can I help you? Yes. And, and, and that, 
that right there is again that's not what the world does but that's what i you know in my humble opinion i think that's what the lord would want us to do oh absolutely i cannot tell you the amount of times that just a smile right mm-hmm. when when roman is trying to flip himself out of the cart right mm-hmm. just a oh, smile there. right and you're like okay you're not judging me mm-hmm. you're not like right and, and there was a time and this is so awful but i had to i had to carabine his pants to the cart because mm-hmm. he took the belt off and i'm he's gonna and i a little girl in our area just fell out of a cart got very bad brain injury and so that mm-hmm. isn't like my brain and i'm like oh my gosh mm-hmm. and so you know and i know you just and I'm not going to tell everybody the story, right? And I'm not going to stand there and say, "Okay, well, this is how he was born." Mm-hmm. Like, forgive us for this, you know, show of what's going on right now. I know sometimes I just want to wear a shirt, right? That says, "Like, please don't judge me. My son has like, <laughs> right?" Um, but of course, we can't just do that. And so I just kind of take the brunt of it as we're in, you know, a store uh-huh. or wherever we are, and it's so fun. Um, but I feel Natalie, when I walk away from you, I feel like I can conquer the world. That is, I oh my goodness. You know, Every time I'm like, like, yes. I'm just a servant, my friend. I am oh. just a servant. I, I'm not, an, I'm not a professional. You know, my, you know, my, you know, my roots, my beginnings, my, I, I'm a servant and, and I'm still a servant. And now, I mean, now that I've, I've stopped the podcast, the podcast is out there. It's evergreen. You can uh, listen. I, we have 163 episode library. We've just hit 62,000 downloads. We're just, we're so thankful. We're so humbled. We're humbled that people are listening to, to our podcast, but now that I'm not doing that and, and ministering to my son and, and just really focusing on my family, I still get emails and I still get messages from people like help, help. What do I do? So I realized that maybe I'm not doing it as, as globally as I did, but if there's a mom who needs me to say, okay, you can do this or okay, I see this in you and I see this and, and let me walk alongside you. Then, then, then that's what matters. But you are, you are so kind, my friend. I'm, this is all Jesus. This is all the journey that has broken me and filled me with you. I shared this on Sandra's podcast last week that um, this journey will either break you and you'll run away from Jesus or it'll break you and you'll run even faster to him. And I can say that I am like lightning speed to him every day because you can't do this alone. I don't know how people say they can do this without faith. Honestly, I'm not judging, but I don't know how people say they can do this without faith because honestly, faith is, that's the first thing that I need for this journey. Right. And just to this, to relax in knowing that he cares for the kids way, way more than we ever could. Right. Like that as a mom, that is just, that's my heart, right? Like that is, that's it right there. You are going to take care of him, you know, and our, our big thing is we have to live forever because of the two special needs kids that we have. I know. Right. Like, okay. So now we have to live Mm -hmm. forever. And so, you know, how are we going to do this? Right. Like, um, because you know, the idea of even Justin, you know, who has autism being alone at 35 years old, not understanding death or, you know, it mm-hmm. just, it kills us, you know, it just, it hurts so bad to think about it. Um, but, and I can tell you that grace upon grace is my life saying, because, oh boy, right? <laughs> like, I, I, we've talked about this before about the idea of like, oh, you're such a saint. 
I'm like, no. I am the most broken sinner in the world. Like, ask my only... kids if I'm a saint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. They're gonna be like, who? Her? Oh, um, my friend. But um, but okay. So, last thoughts. Anything I missed? Is there anything you want to talk about? So, you know, uh, we 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 stepped away from FASD Hope again. It's still out there. You you, you anywhere you find podcasts, you can you can um you can listen to us. Uh, one thing that I highly, highly recommend as, as a parent with lived experience is a great support group, like the one you lead. Um, if you're looking for an FASD specific type of support group, Sandra Flack and I last year started one and, and I closed everything that I was doing, you know, when, when our son was just really starting to have go into go into, I don't want to say crisis, but just really, really starting to go into a season where I knew I needed to focus on him and focus on our daughter and focus on our family. Um, the Lord, you know, put it in me to, to step away from everything except for this. Sandra and I have, it's a faith-based FASD support group called hope for the FASD journey. And, um, you, can Sandra's based in New York. I'm based in, in North Carolina, but um, you can join anywhere in the world. Um, we meet, we have three meetings a month, which is great. Two of those meetings are support meetings. And again, Sandra is, um, she runs Justice for Orphans. She's an adoptive mom of eight, you know, uh, two of whom have an official diagnosed um, FASD and she gets this journey. She's, she's, you know, like me, just, just a mom with experience, but we have this faith-based um, FASD support group. Sandra has been trained in the, in the facets, which is we consider the, I personally consider the gold standard of FASD um, parenting and caregiving and learning about FASD and not just FASD, but other brain-based diagnoses. Um, so we meet on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, the first and the third Tuesdays our support group with some educational component, resource sharing, uh, just, just, and we will pray for you. In fact, when my son was with, and I'm using air quotes with the buddy crossing straight state lines in the pickup truck, because he couldn't be on our property anymore. These parents were literally praying for a hedge of protection over him as he was crossing state lines. And when, you know, he came, we were able to retrieve him and get him back and figure out next steps. But this is how faithful this group is. We, we will stop, drop and pray whenever you need to. So the first and the third Tuesdays of the month, we, we have our support groups. And then Sandra, you know, being a, she's also a wonderful podcaster. Um, her, her podcast is the uh, adoption and foster care journey. And, you know, mine is FASD Hope. Uh, the second Tuesday of every month, we have a special guest. We call it the VIP conversations where Sandra and I do like a, an, a private interview for our, our members, for our community. Um, and it's great. We have, you know, people like Rebecca, people with lived experience, self-advocates. We have parents, we have professionals, we have all sorts of people. So, um, and it's a very nominal um, fee and uh, it's, you know, it, the proceeds go to justice for orphans, which is, you know, the, I think it's one of the best um, adoption and foster nonprofits out there. 
And uh, Sandra and I need the group as much as the members need us. I can tell you that. So that is the one thing that I continue to do actively because not only is it, is it, I know that I'm helping minister to these families, but they're ministering to Sandra and I. So um, yeah, it's hope for the FASD journey and you can, you can find it in the link I'll share with you um, on the JFO website. Thank you. I mean, this is always such a great time of fellowship, you know, walking into that DCFS building all those years ago, who knew? Right. Who knew? I oh, mean, I know what? Right. Um, so this has been uplifting, informative, exciting, love to reconnect. I mean, it's just like getting the band back together. Right. Like this is <laughs> I wish Stephanie was here, man. I wish she was here. You know, I hope she's listening. We're going to we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for your ministry, your family. Um, but I just want to thank you so much for being here, taking the time to educate us all on you know this huge issue and just just being you you know following the lord being natalie and um you know we'll see let's see where we are in a year yeah <laughs> yes i i'm excited i'm excited because i'm just angie i love you you're a friend and you are a warrior and uh you are a humble servant and i think what you're doing is just so needed you know and i am just so so thankful to know you and, and to call you my friend and sister in Christ. Lord, we thank you so much for Natalie and her passion and desire to see healing. We thank you for John and their marriage that brings so much glory to you, even through the midst of hardship. We pray that you will strengthen their marriage, help them build each other up, we lift up Nick and Gianna to you, and we ask that you give them soft hearts as their parents lead, and that you may surround them with the love and peace that only you can provide. It is in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.